It's good to be here. Oh. <laughs> oh shall I just sit down again, shall I, or what? Yeah. Hopefully you'll be, a bit, you'll be a bit more enthusiastic about being here in a little while. Oh, you know, I've uh, been going on a little bit of a journey this week as I've, as I've thought through um, what I wanted to say this morning. And, you know, it's, it, it's always the, the way it has been for me when I, when I preach and certainly don't do it anywhere near every week uh, these days. But even when I was doing it every week, it was... You know, the, I, I went on a journey with God and, and, and talked about that journey with people. And that happened in different ways. But um, I'll, well, I'll speak for myself. When, when I prepare to preach, you know, God takes me on a journey. God deals with me. And uh, God says things to me. And uh, um, oh, then, I, then I share them. <laughs> and uh, it's... Uh, Certainly, been like that this week as I've as I've thought about what I want to say this morning and talking about uh, about following Jesus and about uh, about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and uh, and to know Him. And this morning, I want to as as I sort of you know walk a bit through that journey. I want to start in Mark chapter ten, and uh, there's a story there about a guy who came to. Uh, came to talk to Jesus, and that story starts at verse 17. And same story, you can find it in Matthew chapter 19 and Luke chapter 18. It's in all three of those Gospels. And it's about this bloke who... Uh, one day Jesus was about his business. He was, he, was, uh, he was teaching, and he'd just been talking about various subjects and talking about children coming to him and, and so on. And then... This young bloke rocks up and drops at Jesus' feet and says, what do I need to do to get eternal life? Now, that's, a, that's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> and, and I can imagine the scene. This, this, this fellow, and it, it, says he was, it says he was rich. Uh, various Gospels called him a, a ruler. He was some kind of, uh, in the social structure of the time, pretty, pretty up there. you know. And he had a fair bit of means. He was wealthy. And... Uh, so he, you know, he certainly had the things he needed, and as it turns out in the story, he'd also been pretty, pretty good and pretty conscientious about doing the right thing as well. He'd been following God's commandments. He was obviously a, a faithful and you know, pr- practiced his faith. He was doing the right thing, following all the commandments, and yet here he is <laughs> at Jesus' feet saying, what have I got to do? What have I got to do, Lord? There's something going on in this guy's head. He's, he's been through a, a journey of he's been doing the right thing, and he's, but he knows it's not enough. And, which, is a, which I found really fascinating as I read that story because Jesus' response is, well, you know the commandments. You know, don't lie, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't murder. And he goes, yeah, I've been doing that since I was a boy. But the thing is, Jesus gave that answer. I'm sure you know, Jesus could figure it out too. You know? this, this guy is not coming here to ask me to tell him to keep the commandments. Yeah? <laughs> and and, and the, the, the guy's response is almost an exasperated one. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. Look, I've been doing that. 
And then Jesus goes on to say, well, you still lack something. And I imagine at this point he's saying, I know. Yeah. That's why I'm here. I know I lack something. I wouldn't be here if I, if I thought I'd, I had it all. If I, maybe I was like some of the religious leaders that, in Jesus' time who thought they, they were doing everything they needed to do. They had it all squared away. Really, not. This guy knew he didn't have it squared away. He knew he lacked something. And he, he's come to Jesus to say, what is it? What is it? Tell me, tell me this thing I'm lacking. I, I don't know what it is. I, I know I've got to keep the commandments. I, I know that um, you know, God gave us these commandments. That's our side of the deal. God said he was going to look after our people. Our side of the deal is we, we obey him and we keep his commandments. I know all that. I'm doing that. and uh, It's not enough. It's, it's, not good. it's not good enough. I'm, I'm not getting there. I'm not. What is it? What is it, Jesus? Tell me. What have I got, what have I got to do? And uh, if you know this story, you'll, you'll know that he didn't like the answer he got. <laughs> Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, One thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, <laughs> this, this question, this guy knew... He was lacking something, right? What have I got to do to get eternal life? And he, he was doing the right things, but it wasn't getting eternal life. And I guess he, maybe he was a bit like Solomon, you know, or whoever it was that wrote Ecclesiastes. It's meaningless, meaningless, says the philosopher or the teacher, whatever you want to call him. Meaningless. And you read through Ecclesiastes and it can get really depressing as you get through 12 chapters until you get to the last few verses where it tells you what the last 12 chapters have been about. Yeah? And it tells you, obey God and follow his commandments. Yeah? This is, and the whole point of the book is that you know, life without God can be pretty fleeting. It can be pretty immaterial, really, in, in an eternal sense. You know, the, the word that's used, that, that's translated meaningless in Ecclesiastes, the, he, the Hebrew word chabel, and it, it, it's actually the root word that the name Abel comes from, by the way. Um, he, it's, a, it's a word that just means, can be translated as meaningless or fleeting or inconsequential or that kind of concept. Yeah, And it, I find it kind of funny that Abel's name come from, came from that because you know, he never had any kids. He didn't get very old before his brother killed him. Anyway, that's a, that, that's a sidetrack. But this guy perhaps could see that like Solomon, like he, he had money. Yeah, he could, whatever he, he wanted, at least in his local area, he had some authority, he had some, he had some means, but it was meaningless. You know, it wasn't getting him what he needed. It wasn't eternal life. And he was, he was staring down the barrel, perhaps, of this life realizing that everything he had actually wasn't going to amount to anything much eternally. And he wanted... He wanted to amount to something eternally, you know. He knew that what he had wasn't enough. And there's a couple of things in this story, and I don't want to, you know, dwell a long time on this story and, and you know, get into the nitty-gritty detail of it. But there's a couple of things. I want to move on to some other things. But there's a couple of things in this story that are really important. One of them is Jesus puts his finger on the obstacle. Right? Just to cut a long story really short. Right? I guess we don't really know what happened to this guy. He went away sad. 
because he had great wealth. The implication is that he was making a choice and saying, no, can't do that. Now, I don't, we don't know that for sure. Maybe he did later on, he, he did something like that, did a St. Francis of Assisi thing. Maybe he did, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But the implication at this point is he made a choice and he said, no, can't do that. I, what I've got at the moment actually is worth more to me than eternal life. And it's hard sometimes to sort of, you know, if you've, you've been a Christian for a while and been coming to church regularly for a while like I have, sometimes you get into a bit of a, a, bit of a sort of a cultural mould where you, you begin to see things in a certain way and it's a bit hard to sort of jump the rut, if you like, and have a look at it from someone else's perspective. But I think, you know, this guy might have got that kind of shock at that moment where he realised that, yeah, I want eternal life and he actually was confronted with the fact that he actually didn't want that much. Yeah? And that that's, can be a shocking thing for anyone. You, you get to a point in your life and your, your presuppositions or the way you think about something or what you thought you believed, you get a shock and realise, hang on, I'm not quite as fair dinkum as I thought I was. And uh, this was one of those, those moments for this bloke. He realised Jesus put his finger on the obstacle and said, mate, you've got to get that out the way or you're not going to get there. And... Uh, the other thing I want to just touch on and I'm going to talk a bit more about is the fact that Jesus said, come and follow me. He didn't tell him not to follow the commandments, by the way. <laughs> but he looked at him and said, mate, there's something in the way. There's an obstacle in your life. You've got to move it. And then when you've pushed the obstacle aside, you've got that out of the way. Come follow me. Yeah. And this concept of following Jesus is something which is, well, there's all sorts of sides to it. In one sense, in Jesus' time, there were rabbis, they had disciples, and they, these disciples followed their rabbi in, in one sense, but not in the sense that Jesus said it. Here, and in a number of other places, Jesus says, follow me, in direct response to questions like, how do I get eternal life? Yeah? and variations on that theme. And that was different from the other rabbis of his time. That was different from the religious teachers of his time. There's a number of places in, in the Gospels where people say of Jesus, oh, he speaks with such authority. And there's a difference between the way Jesus taught and the way other rabbis taught. Other rabbis would point to Torah, or they would point to... They were, this is a way that you can please God, and this is, this is what you've got to do. They didn't say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. Yeah? They didn't say, you want eternal life, follow me. Yeah. Uh, they would say, follow God, follow Torah. Right? And, and, and the Pharisees at the time, they had this belief that if all of Israel would just follow the law perfectly for a day, the Messiah would come. Yeah, I don't quite know where they got that from, but... Uh, that's apparently what they believed. And that explains why they were so picky about the law. Yeah? And why they had such a frustrated disdain for people who wouldn't follow the law properly. Hmm? They felt that those people actually were an obstacle to God coming and saving his people. And oh, it's just, it's just the passion was there. They had this belief they wanted God's Messiah to come. They wanted God to bless his people. It's just amazing how you can get off track, isn't it? Hey? And, and how 
how your beliefs can just narrow down your, your, your focus so much when you, you get off track. But Jesus was different from that. He didn't say, there's the law, follow it. He didn't say, there's God, go there. He said, here am I, follow me. And I'm the way to eternal life. I'm the way to God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Comment after comment after comment yeah, that Jesus makes um, that you can find in the Gospels that makes him quite different. It was different also from the Old Testament prophets. The Old Testament prophets, they called people back to God. They pointed out to the people when they were going astray and said, hey, this is what God told us to do. Here are his regulations. Here is Torah. Here is the way we're supposed to live. So guys, go for it. And they would interpret those rules in the particular context of the people of God at the time and say, that what God has said to Moses, this means you've got to be doing this now or you've not got to be doing this now. But they still didn't say, follow me. I can't find an Old Testament prophet that said, hey, follow me. Not in the way Jesus said it. I mean, Elisha followed Elijah around, yeah. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about someone who says, you want, a sa- you want eternal life? <laughs> you want salvation? Follow me. No Old Testament prophet said that. And so what Jesus is doing here and saying to people, follow me, is something a bit special, a bit quite amazing actually that we haven't seen before in the scriptures no nobody else did that and you know my thoughts started on the track of well how come Jesus could say that and nobody else could I mean I'm certainly not going to say to you follow me if you want eternal life follow me (laughs) no 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 I (laughs) am not going to say that absolutely but Jesus did and you know we we talked talked a bit last week about you know who Jesus is and why that might be, why Jesus might be able to say that. Yeah. This I mean this is just an example, this thing about um, authority. There's a couple of verses, um, Mark one twenty seven, uh, Luke chapter four, there's a verse there. The the context is Jesus has just been teaching and this guy pops up with a uh, with an evil spirit. And Jesus tells the evil spirit to take a walk, and it does. And, and people are going, wow, Whew. You know, this guy, he's got something, he's got some authority, he's got, you know, they, they just walk. One of the reasons that was so astonishing is, I mean, there were, there were exorcists wandering around in Jesus' time. Where there, we have, in some of the intertestamental documents, we've got stories of you know, this happening. And so there were guys walking around casting out demons. Maybe not many of them, but it, it happened. But what they would do was they would use some powerful name. You know, in the name of Solomon or in the name of the great King David or the mighty prophet Elijah. You know, that, that, this, is what they would, this is the way they would do it as they, they dealt with the demonic. And actually there's an example in the book of Acts of some seven brothers of Sceva trying to do that. They'd seen Paul... Um, casting out demons and they said in the name of Paul who follows Jesus will I tell you to well if you know the story you know that the bloke said yeah I know Jesus I know Paul but who are you and beat the stuffing out of them now it's ended badly for them but this was this was an a more or less normal practice for those who engaged in that kind of thing that's the way they did it they would they would use some important name or the name of some other exorcist who had some success or whatever they did. But Jesus didn't. He just addressed demons and told them to take a walk. 
And that was significant. Jesus wasn't using some other name. He was just telling them to go. And people noticed that. People went, wow, this guy's got authority. This guy's got something. And what Jesus was doing was, was doing what he spoke in one sense. He was saying, follow me. And he was demonstrating that, actually, you can follow me. Yeah. Um, you know, if I go around, if I go around casting out demons in Jesus' name, I better tell you to follow Jesus, not follow me. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying there? Jesus is just—he's saying follow me, and and then he's he's exercising and demonstrating the authority that he has to say follow me. So Jesus was different. Jesus was. Uh, was really quite special. And he, he, he said, follow me. And there's somehow this following him got people eternal life. You know, there's... It, it's not... Uh, how do I put this? You know, we have this, we have this idea and it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an idea that's developed in our, in our Western culture over the last few centuries that you know, if you if you f- you have a belief that gets you to heaven, you know, and you follow Jesus, that opens a gate to heaven, and that's that's true in in a sense. But it's not really what it's about here. It's following Jesus actually transforms you, yes. and and we see in the Bible and and particularly the Gospel of John, we see how eternal life starts now. Yeah, and I, you know, when I was younger, I always used to get confused. I'd hear people say, "Oh, no, eternal life starts now," but I had in my head this idea of, you know, eternal life that's in heaven. And I, I thought, "What? How do I? How do I put this together? How do I? How do I get this to to mesh?" But when I realised that following Jesus transforms you, it's not just a ticket to heaven for the, in the sky and the by and by when you get there. It, it following Jesus starts with transformation now and it start, eternal life starts now and the journey that continues on in eternity begins now and when I kind of had that all figured out in my head I went, aha, yeah now, yeah, now I know what it's about but it transforms you and it's not just the ticket to heaven and, th- and somehow this relationship becomes important and, and I could quote verse after verse in the New Testament where Jesus talks about I know you with some very positive consequences or I don't know you with some very negative consequences um, I, the parable of the sheep and the goats is a, is a big classic you know there's there's it's the picture of the end judgment and there's those who have done the right thing those who have doesn't done haven't done the right thing and Jesus says to the sheep they're the ones who have done the right thing you know enter into you know my father's glory and uh, to the goats the ones who haven't done the right thing he says I don't know you I don't know you. And the, the parable uh, of the, um, oh, I think there's 10 girls with lamps waiting outside a, a reception. And, uh, you know, five of them have got extra oil. They go in there prepared. The whole point of the parable is, you know, you've got to be ready and prepared. The five who don't, uh, don't have extra oil, they had to nick off and buy some. But by the time they get back and they knock on the door, the bridegroom says, who are you? Yeah, I don't know you. And, of course, the consequences were quite negative. So 
it seems that you know, getting into heaven and living eternally in the kingdom of God, it's, it's not about what you know or what you do. It's actually about who you know. Yeah. Now, some of my friends in Africa have no problem with this concept at all. That just comes naturally. Uh, some of my Australian friends doesn't come quite so naturally to think that you actually get into heaven because of who you know, yeah? <laughs> not, because of, not because of what you know or what you've done. It doesn't seem fair. You know, oh, I'm not going to get sidetracked on the concept of fairness in Australian culture. You know, if, if you have kids, you know, you know all about it. Yeah. Enough said. Yeah. But the thing, the thing is, we see, we see this in the scriptures. We see it throughout history. That this knowing Jesus, that this launching on the journey of following Jesus begins to change people right then and there. Eternal life begins right there. Uh, I mean, there's classic cases in scripture. I mean, take Paul. I'll give Paul credit. Even before he got saved... He was 100% passionate about what he believed. These Christians are heretics. Get rid of them. Kill them. Chuck them in jail. He was 100% passionate, no doubt about that. Then he figured out who Jesus was, that he really was the Messiah, and he was 100% passionate about Jesus. It was, for Paul, it was pedal to the metal. You know, whichever way he was going, whether he was going the right way or the wrong way, at least he had to pedal to the metal. And it was just... <laughs> that's the kind of guy he was. But there have been... Case after case throughout history, and you know, you, you just read some church history, or you read some some of the the books written by you know saints over the over the centuries, and you can see transformation after transformation after transformation. I mean, for just to pick one out of thousands, you got John Newton. He, he was captain of a slave ship, and um, he's the guy that wrote Amazing Grace. Yeah, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And it all changed, it all turned around and for some people that's dramatic. Bang, there's this 180 degree turn and the next day people are going, what happened to you? For other people it's, it's a bit more subtle and after a while people start to think, hey, you know there's something different about you, the way you, the way you relate to people, what is it? But it wasn't something they noticed straight away one day. It's different for different people but there's transformation that goes on. And this is what following Jesus does. You can't just follow Jesus and stay the same. It's just, you follow Jesus, you're going to be different than if you, you hadn't followed Jesus. It's going to show eventually. Um, one way or the other, slowly or quickly, but it's going to show. And uh, we see that again. You know, there's a verse near the, uh, the end of the Gospel of John, actually. I'll just quickly turn there. Um, really helpful verse, by the way. If, you know, if, I don't know, have you ever read the Gospel of John and thought, man, there's some weird and wonderful things that he says, and I'm not quite sure what it all means. Well, this verse is a really helpful verse for you to understand the Gospel of John, Okay. And you can all go and study the Gospel of John after this, if you like. That's all right. Chapter 20, verse 30 to 31. Now, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these ones are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. What John is doing is, is telling us why he wrote his Gospel in the first place. 
Yeah. Why did he actually bother to write these 21 chapters of stuff and a lot of it's a bit different from the other Gospels and what's going on? Why did he do this? Well, he did it so that we would get to know who Jesus was and that in getting to know who Jesus was, we'd have life. Oh, does that sound familiar? Yeah, is that eternal life thing? <laughs> yeah, it's, have, it's knowing Jesus equals having life. Wow. It's the whole purpose of the, you, you can't read, you know, the, at least the first 11 chapters of, of John. I'd recommend it sometime if you've got an, an hour or two or three, depending on your reading speed. Sit down and read through the Gospel of John. One hit, one sitting. See how you go. You'll get through the first 11 chapters. And if you're anything like me, you know, your head will be spinning a bit and saying, How many times did this guy say he was God? You know, how many times does this guy say plainly where he, I just don't uh, he said you know before Abraham was born I am they got the message they picked up stones to throw at him for blasphemy you know, that they, they knew what he was saying and yet the next chapter they're saying please speak clearly tell us who you are <laughs> you ever talk to someone like that yeah I'm sure you have you see, who Jesus is, is is a big deal, really big deal. It's, it's a really major stumbling block for, for Muslims, for example. I mean, Jesus appears in the Quran a number of times. Muslims know about Jesus. He's the second most important prophet in Islam. And he's coming back one day, according to Islam. He's coming back. But... <laughs> God? Oh, you'll get, yourself a, you'll get yourself an argument really quick. Yeah? It's a major stumbling block. For our Jewish friends, it's probably the major stumbling block. They share many of the same scriptures. What we call the Old Testament is their Bible. They worship the same God we do. They have the same moral code we do. The identity of Jesus of Nazareth? Ooh. That's the big problem. Yeah. It's a big deal. It's a big deal that we follow Jesus. It's a big deal that we know who Jesus is and that knowing him transforms us. It's a really big deal. So I want you to consider those verses in Mark chapter 10. I just think I've lost my place now, but Mark chapter 10, this guy comes to, from verse 17 onwards, this guy comes to Jesus and says, what do I need? What do I need to do? How do I get eternal life? And Jesus answers with the obvious what he's done already and then says, get the obstacle out the way and follow me. I'm the key. I'm it. I am the focus. You, you want eternal life? You want to be transformed from the inside out? You want an eternity with God? Jesus is the focus. Lots of other things we could be thinking about, but Jesus is the focus. So I want you to reflect on that for a little while. And, and, and wherever, you know, I, I don't know where, where people are at. I you know, I know some people here and I don't know others. And even the people I know, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't have the real lowdown on where you're at. But what I want you to reflect on is, is where, where are you at? following Jesus yeah. how well do you know this guy what is your focus 
It's pretty easy to get distracted. It's pretty easy to let obstacles plonk down in the way. And what I want you to do is focus on Jesus. I want you to know that he is the way, the truth and the life. He is the gate to eternal life. He is the key which transforms your life from the inside out from now onwards. And I want you to spend a little bit of time just praying or meditating on that and I'm going to get out the way and let you do that.